Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. This evening, joined by Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, Who? how are you? Who? 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 <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? What's going on? What are you doing? I'm doing what are you great, wearing? actually. I'm doing really well. What are you wearing? I actually am wearing my One Tough Pirate um, sweatshirt hoodie. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to OneToughPirate.com and you can find them. It's amazing. You'll be inspired when you go there. But that's what I'm wearing right now, my One Tough Pirate hoodie. Is that all you're wearing? That's hot. <laughs> wow. Oh, my Lord. So, so everyone, all of our listeners, Robert is only wearing a One Tough Pirate hoodie, OTP hoodie, and nothing else below the waist. That is awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> we want pictures. Oh, it's a shame we don't broadcast live yet. We'll get to that. Oh, are we? Really? Well, sometimes, yeah. I, I need to okay. look into it a little bit more, but I think it would be something that would be more interactive for people that are listening to actually be able to to see us when we're broadcasting. So that that's something that I want to bring into. That would mean then um, I would have to wear clothes. Oh, that, and you'd probably have to do your hair. Damn it. <laughs> It's actually going to be like the Jetsons. Do you remember the the, the Jetsons episode when, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Judy. No, the wife. Jane. His wife. Jane Chet. Jane Jetson. Yeah. I know. I had to yeah. sing the song in my, in my head trying to name the people. But there was that there there was a one episode where Mrs. Spacely calls Jane Jetson, and. You know, they had the video phones then, and the video phone goes right. away, and then the fake face goes up, and she doesn't have her makeup on or anything. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we have to be prepared for. Awesome. We have to put yeah. our faces on and, and look pretty then. Yes, exactly. God, I'll have to put on makeup. So, so, so you're growing a mustache. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell everybody. Because okay, you look all so, butch. I know, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> so so everybody, um the month of November is also called Movember, M O Vember. And it's actually in support of and, and men are doing this all across the world. And um it's actually in support of men's health issues and specifically prostate cancer. And I actually have a um, I'm on a uh, I'm on Mark's um, Visit Gay Charlotte team, and I think it's just the two of us right now. And um, it's it's people go and they take a look at your progress throughout the month, and you start out actually um, on November 1st uh, clean, clean shaven, and uh, you grow a mustache through the entire month of November. And people actually donate money and um, give to a cause, and it's completely tax deductible, and uh, it, it's it, it's for a great cause, and it's a lot of fun. And and actually, what's funny is uh, I was walking the dog this evening uh, around five o'clock at, uh, Eastern time, and I'm walking by, and, and in my apartment building we have a we have a bar, and it's called the Corner Pub, and and I walk by the Corner Pub, and this guy yells. Hey, it's Mr. Movember because he recognized the mustache. It was it was actually kind of cool, and um, so that was that was kind of neat. So so I encourage and, and thank you, um, Robert, for for posting my my Facebook page out there. But I, I do encourage um, everybody if you can go to my Facebook page. There's a couple of links in there to the Movember page, and um, donate donate five bucks. Um, you know, it's for a good cause. Men in general, and, and we actually kind of talk about this a little bit, 
men in general have a hard time getting to the doctor. And when men do get to the doctor, we don't really talk about much, you know. So this is um, important because we need to get men to get to the doctor, to ask the pertinent questions, and really take their their own health issues um, head on and, and really face them and, and, and talk to their doctors openly and honestly. So, so, that's, that, so that's that. And, uh, well, that's a, it's a man thing, I think. It is a man you know, thing. Yeah, because like, I noticed like, when I would go to the doctors, I, I always still tend to keep some things you know, private, unless I'm really comfortable. Like with my last doctor, I was very comfortable where he knew about everything. Yeah, you know, and when I was going to like other doctors, it was very quiet, and I didn't want to really talk about it too much because I wasn't comfortable. It seems like men are very uncomfortable in the doctor's office. Men are uncomfortable. Period. When when they're talking about um, uh, they're just it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Men have a very difficult time. Um, speaking about um, their uh, their health issues, um, and, and what we all have to realize, and this goes for everybody who's listening, and this is my little lecture to everyone. Um, so I'm going to lecture you all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is your doctor is there? Your doctor is your partner in, in your health. So don't ever keep anything um uh don't keep anything at all from your doctor. Tell them everything. And 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 men, doctors have heard everything. They have heard everything. And they probably have seen everything. So it, Get past your own embarrassment and get past your own uncomfortableness and just talk to your doctor, especially those of us who are HIV positive and have other health issues. Um, it, it, it's it's so important to to be open and honest with your doctor. So so there there I lectured. Yeah, we should just do a show talk, having people call in and share their embarrassing doctor stories. That would be funny, actually. Because I have a lot of them. <laughs> um, I have a couple embarrassing, but I used to work in a medical office, so uh-huh. I could tell you some embarrassing. Right, you probably got tons of them. Oh yeah. Okay. So I okay. Really quick. Really quick. I, I'm just going to share one. Okay. This is when um, I was very young, one of my very first jobs, and uh, I was working transport. And what that means is transport are the people who, you know, move you from room to room or, you know, that kind of thing. And part of that is taking, you know, dead people down to the morgue. So (laughs) I can't believe I'm sharing this on air, but okay. Um, So one day I am wheeling this, this body down to the morgue to get it into the freezer because the pathologist was going to do something with it. And um, it was a very small hospital. So uh, in, in, in a very small town. So a multi-vehicle bad, bad car wreck um, had just happened, and they were bringing in the victims into our emergency room, which only had two beds. So, I mean, we were talking very, very small. And they were bringing about... Um, I think like eight or ten people in. So I, I'm wheeling the body in, and, and you know, and and I get to get to the morgue area, and and I notice that my um, the 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 door stop was missing, and the door was closed. I'm like, oh, oh, hmm, what am I going to do? So then all of a sudden I get this. We we hear this. You know, there, there's a code. It's a code one. Uh, and a code two. We need we need all hands to come up, and, and we need everybody to come up who can. And so, which meant that I had to stop what I was doing and run back to the emergency room, because they were going to need as many people as they could to get people, you know, processed and that and that sort of thing. 
this thing goes off, and I go into the morgue because I had to get this body in, and I'm looking around, and I don't see my doorstop. I, what possessed me to do the very next thing, I will never know. I open the freezer door, and I see a leg sitting there, an amputated <laughs> leg. And I take the leg, I prop it up against the door, it holds open the door, I get the body in, and I go running up to the emergency room. <laughs> Mind you, I forgot the leg. Oh, my. Yeah. So you left it there in the doorway? I left it there in the doorway. It had thawed out. <laughs> oh, man. That's <laughs> um, and And you hear this. Uh, <laughs> so all of us transport people and I mean everybody got called into this all hands meeting and they said um, we want to know who left the leg propped up against the door no one owned up of course because no one knew who did it except me I didn't say a thing okay. not a more. word and, and because I would have been fired probably because th- this leg was being sent off to you know down to Los Angeles where they would, you know, do things to it, you know, tissue right. samples. I ruined the leg because it fought <laughs> out. Oh, my Lord, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. So so think about that. The next time, the next time you're at the hospital and people are bringing people in, think about that. Think about Jeremy and his leg. <laughs> that, that, you know, next time you're at your doctor's office, and and you're you're getting you know physical. Think about Jeremy leaving a leg propped up against the door. So that's so that's, that's 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 one story that I've got. So, so that's um, one story I, of many that we will hear on oh, an upcoming show. Oh oh yes, absolutely. So I guess our guest is on the line, yeah. Yeah yeah, he's actually been on the line for a little bit. Oh oh. <laughs> so I want you to finish your funny, yada, yada, yada. Yada. funny leg time. story. So um, before. <laughs> Before we bring, um, that's so funny. Um, before we bring, um, it just reminded me. I have to say this real quick. This reminded me. My dad had polio when he was younger, and we used to go, you know, swimming in the pool. And my dad was able to move his leg, um, like basically pull his leg up out of the water uh-huh. and hold it and be like, look what I found, and act like it was his like a leg that he found floating in the water. He used to do it in the oh, ocean, and it used to freak us out. But your leg story just reminded me of that, Dad. I'm sorry to even say that on air. But yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. I just wanted to show that he did that. Um, but tonight's guest is uh, Aaron Laxton. He's a 32-year-old graduate student from St. Louis, Missouri. He was diagnosed on June 6, 2011. So this June he was diagnosed. Wow. Um, almost instantly, Aaron uh, started to blog each day his journey with HIV and now has quite a following around the world on his YouTube channel, which is amazing. Um, My HIV Journey is the name of it. Aaron also works locally in St. Louis, Missouri, to educate others about HIV as well as letting others hear his story. Aaron is currently in school for his Master's of so- for Social Work as he plans on specializing to work with people with HIV in outreach and education. A couple of weeks ago, he was featured on our, um, our, I like to call it like our sister site, we, PositiveLight.com, he did an interview over there, and um, he's going to be raising a lot of money for the AIDS life cycle coming up next year. So. I am really thrilled and inspired by our guest, Aaron Laxton. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, your story was uh, quite amusing and horrific at the same time. I must say that. (laughs) Well, I promise you, Aaron, if you die on my watch, I won't use your legs for anything. Well, that's fantastic. You know, it's it's always good to hear. You know, uh, know, I, I try. I, I'm just trying to reassure people. And, and just to mind everyone, or to remind everyone, I am not in the medical field at all. <laughs> all right? So that should that should give people some <laughs> – everybody should breathe a sigh of relief now. We can sleep uh, a little bit better tonight. No, okay. Yes. yes. Yes, exactly. Sleep better knowing that Jeremy does not work with patients <laughs> and dead people. So, 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 Aaron, let me first start off saying um, I've been watching your videos, and they're they're quite inspiring for somebody who has been diagnosed for less than six months. I am kind of blown away with what you're doing. You know, I get that reaction uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, it, to me, it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, 
it's just something that I, I it just it morphed into something larger than what it what it was meant to be I guess in, in, originally originally um, I leading up to National HIV Testing Day which I believe was the 27th uh, June 27th mm-hmm. I made a series of videos um, so these were the first initial videos I made just compelling and trying to get people to out come out and get tested and then the third uh, video on that series, uh, I actually disclosed my status, um, and I'm, I'm pretty well known with, throughout the St. Louis community, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I wanted people to put a face to it um, and say, hey, I know Aaron, and, uh, you know, he's HIV positive, and, you know, really for them to go and get tested and know their status and, and these things. And then as it went on, um so the first video I ever made was four days out from my diagnosis, and I posted that online. Um, and it's it just every video I do, I get people that will message me, um, and they'll either tell me, hey, I was really inspired by what you said, or, hey, that same thing's happening to me, and I I thought I was all alone in this. Um, and so that's really is what has kept me um, making the videos uh, each day and uh, posting them online. Yeah, I think they're great. And, uh, you know, before we get into talking about that, I just kind of rewind a little bit. And I want to talk about the, the day you were diagnosed, June 6, 2011. What was that day like for you? Like, how how was it? How did it happen? Well, you know, as it, as it were, the irony of it is that it was 30 years and one day to the, you know, the first reports of this strange thing called AIDS, which at that time we didn't even have a name for it. So the week prior I had um, – went to the doctor. I had, uh, you know, some swollen lymph nodes and some, some things that were kind of disturbing. And I you know, went to the doctor and said, hey, I think I probably had an exposure and I need to get tested. Um, at that point, there was a regular HIV test and a viral load. They did both. And leading into the weekend, Friday came, all the, the STD panel was back and, you know, everything was good but the HIV results were not back yet, which was a little bit out of the, uh, out of the norm, but I didn't think much of it. Um, and then the following Monday, about 10.45, um, I got a phone call, and, uh, you know, that, like most people who've, who've received the news that they're positive, um, they'll always remember the time and place. And, and for me, it was just I didn't cry. I didn't, you know. I think deep down I knew, and I had had the conversation with my um, practitioner that I knew that the results were going to come back and be positive. And you had um, that feeling. I had the feeling, and uh, so when it did happen, um, at the at that moment, what I was thinking of, um, you know, I was dating a person um, who was getting ready to graduate from college and. Um, he being negative and now me being positive, uh, you know, all the thing that ran through my head was there is no possible way that I can have a normal, quote-unquote, normal life, um, and this is going to be so restrictive for him, and I don't want to harm him. So really, he was the first thing that came to my mind about not wanting to hurt him. Um, after that, uh, you know, it kind of just it was like a snowball. Uh, my doctor thought I was still out of town in Chicago, and I, I said, no, I said, I'm home, and, uh, then, you know, went in for more blood tests and uh, to find out my CD4 and my viral load and, and these things. Now, did you regularly uh, go for HIV tests? Yes. I um, I had regularly went, and after the fact, I pulled my last uh, negative test, and it was about seven or eight months prior. So we were able to estimate, you know, that I was um, infected around February, March. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay. So, so, wow. I mean, <clears throat> that's a lot. <laughs> um, it was. It, 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 whenever they we, we got the blood test back, um, and uh, the, my viral load was close to a million. And my CD4 was 678. So we knew from the numbers that I had just converted. Um, and 
you know, I think most people that, that just get diagnosed, you're grab you're grappling or you're grabbing for anything. And so for me, this set me out on this journey for knowledge. You know, I had to learn anything and everything there was about this thing called HIV. I wasn't going to let this thing beat me. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, I wanted to help others as well. And that's really why I grabbed my phone and started doing videos that very same day. Um, it wasn't even really something I put a lot of thought into it. And I think at that time, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure I was going to post them online. Um it just was something I've always been a photographer and you know, I like portraying life and its realness, not necessarily something that's staged. And so this in the this what I could do is use my own life as an example. So So, so Aaron, I, I, I just I, I wanna I'm gonna ask this question and um you it, it's been six months since since your diagnosis it's been what almost 9 months since um your your exposure right how are you how are you, i mean i understand that this is probably part of your healing process right it is what's been 160 160- Sixty days, but yeah. <laughs> and and believe me, you'll lose count late later. I, I will tell you from from experience. Uh, and and I lost count. Oh God, many 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 days ago, um, hundreds of thousands of days ago. But um, to me, you know, because you are handling this in a very different way. You are. Um, you're not your typical you know you're not handling it in the in the what we would think is the typical way of handling it you didn't cry you know you're 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 doing these amazing videos you're doing the this amazing outreach have you stopped at all to just to, to to stop and think about all of this or, or are you just throwing yourself into it and, and really running forward? No, I mean, obviously, yeah. And there's one video I think of, and I, I, I posted it, and the title of it is um, Refusal to Participate in Life. Um, and I would like I would say that I on that video I was having what I would call a pity party, you know. Look, I got into this situation of my own volition. I had, you know, I made poor choices and I engaged in risky behavior. And so I have to take responsibility for that. And so while we can't change the past, we can change the future and how we deal with future uh future instances. So for me, uh yeah, I have stopped and thought and think about it, but what good is sitting and harping about it? You know, HIV is not going to kill me. AIDS is not going to kill me. And if I have my way about it, an opportunistic infection is not going to kill me. Um you know, I live as healthy as I can each day, uh, and now thanks to, you know, medications that I'm on, I'm healthier than most people who do not have HIV. So, and that's really the message that I want to get out to people. You know, HIV and AIDS, uh, HIV in particular, is not uh, the same disease thanks to the therapies that we have as it was in the 80s. If you're not medicated, it is, and if you don't know your status, it is. So for me... Um, you know, it's just as I help others, I help myself. I guess that's the best the best answer that I can I can give you for that. Okay, it's so true, actually. It, it really is true um, because unlike you, <laughs> when I was diagnosed, I turned into a big into a big jelly hermit. Well, no, not so much of a hermit. But I went into some really self-destructive behaviors. I said, "Well, since since I'm since I have AIDS already, I might as well just go out and do whatever I want to do." And there there's that part of it. And then there was the where I sat in, in a closet, and I kid you not, sat in a closet and I cried for six days. I would come well, out every now and again, you know. But but <laughs> well, but that fatalistic. Um, you know, I think we all encounter that fatalistic. 
approach at times. Yep. And we say, God, you know, I have the worst thing ever and, and nothing else could happen to me. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? Because we know that, that people can now, we know more about co-infection. And we know uh, that HIV coupled with uh, hep C or dual HIV diagnosis. You know, so, but through my knowledge, that's how I've gained, you know, the, the um, I guess, the sanity, if you will. I had my, my uh, levels of insanity during my, di- you know, diagnosis. Um, and I had situations where I would just stay at home and, and kind of, become a hermit, you know, like you said. Mm-hmm. But through my work, that necessitated that I actually get out and I um, and I do things. So, you know, our gay, our gay pride was um, the last weekend of June, so I volunteered for that. Um, then, unfortunately, we had the Joplin Hurricanes uh, in May. Um, I, I organized five semi-trailers full of supplies going to that. So the community activism has just, been at the core of who I am long before HIV. And it, HIV doesn't d- define who I am. It's one aspect of who I am. Um, so I, I'm real quick. I don't want anybody to, you know, pin me into a corner and say, oh, he's HIV. No, he's a lot of things. HIV is just one aspect of that. That's right. It kind of reminds me of your uh, video that you did, um, when you were talking about just because you were HIV positive, it didn't change who you were didn't change the type of friend that you were to other people, and it shouldn't change the way that people treat you. And that mo- that video itself was very moving for somebody um, who may not be HIV positive to listen to. I think you you really got that message across great for people to really be touched by what you're saying. You know, there's something very um, therapeutic, and it's the, a word I keep using. For me, it was I w- it was very safe to come home and turn on my webcam and make a video. And maybe I wouldn't post it and maybe I would and just pour out my heart. And a lot of times it was just me, you know, pouring out everything and how I was feeling. And then along the way, um, I think I'm up to 120,000 hits. Along the way, you know, I would get someone from the U.K. that would say, hey, Aaron, I know exactly how you're feeling, or someone from Uganda or, you know, or Ghana or Australia. And these are the things that bind us all together, regardless of what geographical location you're from, what social economic class you're from, what age group, what race, ethnicity. These are the, the stigmas. These are the things that we have to all battle as HIV patients. Um, and so that's really what, you know, what has kept me going on the videos. All right, some of the questions coming out of the chat room are asking about uh, you being on medications. And I know in some of your videos you talked about uh, the Atripla. Are you still on Atripla? Right. Yeah, I, I'm on the Atripla. And when I first started, I was taking uh, uh, like Xanax, a couple things for anxiety, and then I slowly uh, I did the Life program with with Shanti uh, through a local uh, AIDS um, service organization here in St. Louis, and that program taught a lot of uh, holistic, you know, meditation, breathing, more a healthier way to deal with stress. And so I actually weaned myself off the Xanax and, and the uh, sleeping meds. Um, so I only take the Atripla. And the thing I think most people need to remember with the Atripla, especially for a new patient, the side effects will, nine times out of ten, will go away. But you have to give your body time to adjust to the medication. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, now, one of the symptoms that stays with you, at least for me, has been the insomnia. Um but it's something that I have to adjust. So maybe it's going to the gym um, throughout the day to wear myself out so that when I lay down, I actually do sleep better. But So the, right now, the triple is the only thing I want. So, nice. so that's actually okay. still working because you, had, um, you were breaking out with a rash um, and when you first started. And I know that's common with people who take a triple. And I know for me it was something that um, ended up being an allergic reaction to the system. So I just didn't I didn't get to watch all your videos because you have so many. So I wasn't sure if you were still on that pill. So that's why I asked. Yeah, the rash was no fun, no fun at all. You know, I didn't and get like the said, rash. It's the first time you didn't. No, didn't get the rash. But um, now I, I am still on um, Cymbalta actually to 
deal with the anxiety um, that is caused by the the atripla. I tried going off, and they tried to wean me down, but oh my god, I was, you know, my my sweaty palms, heart, the whole thing. So, um, and I've been on, oh god, I think this is my seventh or eighth regimen now, um, because I'm I, I've I've developed a resistance to about. 15 or 16 other drugs. So this one seems to be working pretty well. But, you know, that's, uh, but that's, that's a good thing, what you just said, you know, about cutting off of the meds and, go, you know, needing to go back on it. Whenever yeah. I'm talking to people and I say things like, you know, I was able to come off the Xanax, if a person needs to take these things, by all means, they need to do it. Um, but for me personally, um, because, you know, I'm 32, so I'm just – just walking into, into this diagnosis, and so I have a lifetime ahead of me of, of taking these medications. As much as we can help our bodies out, um, being healthier, and that's really what we need to engage in, but by all means, um, first and foremost, we should listen to our practitioners and our uh, infectious disease doctors and allow them to um, give us the medications that we need um, above all else. Well, yeah, and, and listen to your own body. I mean, what oftentimes that we don't, and and, and I and I know people that that are in in the chat room. Oftentimes, we don't give our own bodies a chance to to do what it is designed to do. One of the best, one of the best um, weapons that we have is is our own immune systems. And unfortunately, HIV kind of <laughs> blows that to hell. But, um, <clears throat> a, you know, our, our own immune system, if we can just kind of give it a little bit of a boost, will help with keeping HIV in check for a while. Definitely. And, you know, and that's the, the, the life program through Shanty, and, and I know it was something that we had available here, um, and I actually did it through St. Louis Effort for AIDS, um, Many of the things that's in the curriculum, it helps teach us. So, you know, some things that gay men may actually engage in, uh, let's just say uh, the use of poppers. Um, does it affect the immune system? It does uh, to a degree. Um, and so little things, now I'm not saying I'm for or against. That's not a statement of, you know, condemning or whatever. I'm just saying all everything that we do has an effect on our immune system. So, like you said, we have to find a way to help our immune systems out. So be sure you're drinking enough water. Be sure you're getting enough sleep. Be sure you're not placing yourself in these highly stressful situations. Um, and so for me, I I just don't do that. I try to have as little stress as I can um, because I know that it does have a huge impact on our immune system, and there's enough um, scientific data to support that. You know, you, you make an absolutely brilliant point because everything even even the stress that we put ourselves under affects our immune systems you're you're absolutely right yeah i know one thing is stress equals shingles (laughs) and i know i'm shingles (laughs) they're the worst i've had them twice have you had them aaron i have not i'm very fortunate um you know i uh but I, I hear all these horror stories, so these are things that I uh, I do not want to encounter. You know what, Aaron? Look at what, Aaron, look at what you've got to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think there's a thing for it now. No, right? no, no. No, there isn't. Um, because no, when, I go to, when I go to, wait a minute, when I go to Walgreens, it says come get your shingles vaccine, or your shingles yeah. shot. No. <laughs> no? I I have seen that. I don't know uh I don't know much about it, but I have seen it, that. Yeah. Shingles is um it, it's okay, if you've had the chicken pox, you're you're at risk of getting the shingles. Right. Well, yeah. And so and what happens So so really what happens is that um and this is a quick just this is just a quick um lesson. When the shingle pox, when the shingle pox, when the chicken pox um, goes away, it really never goes away. It just goes dormant. 
and the herpes simplex virus, which is the chickenpox, um, lies dormant in the ganglion of the nerve. And so um, when someone is immune, has, a, has immune, um, uh, like HIV, or they, they are immune compromised, or they've you know, experienced some more trauma, or, or a great deal of stress, or that sort of thing, um, it, it, it causes the, um, uh, it, it causes the, the, the herpes simplex virus, which is, or the chicken pox to then pop out, to, to you, you, um, break out. And it's so painful because it is at the end of the nerve. So that, that's why it hurts so bad. And, 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 and what's even worse is that, when you break out with shingles, you are then contagious to people who have not had the chickenpox. Go figure. Very complicated. It is complicated, and and I believe we want to open the lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. At, at three four seven two one five nine four four two, give us a call. It is it's it's nine thirty. It's the bottom of the hour, and we'd love to have you call in and uh, talk with us and, and specifically our guest. Um, Aaron Laxton, who is uh, six months, uh, not quite six months, uh, diagnosed, uh, five months diagnosed with HIV, and he is doing some amazing, amazing outreach. And um, you can check more about uh, Aaron out at his um, uh, YouTube uh, channel, and uh, we can certainly provide that information as also. So, again, that number is 347-215-9442. The lines are open. That's right. So, we also are taking questions. You can tweet us questions at PauseIM as well. Um, now, I had a question here in the chat room that I wanted to um, bring up. Uh, Daniel Bauer, who was just recently on our show, um, has a question here. Uh, he says, since your, since your diagnosis and jumping headfirst into advocacy, have, you, have any of your personal dreams, which you were pursuing prior to becoming positive, taken the back burner? No. You know, he, this is... I don't compartmentalize my life. I've never done it as a gay male, and I'm not doing it as a gay male who's now positive. Um, It's very important what I'm about to say, um, and I say it to everybody. If you walk around with your head hung down in shame, what I call the Eeyore effect uh, for Winnie the Pooh, woe is me, I'm positive, then that is how people are going to treat you. I don't do that. because I want people to judge me on other things. So I've always been a community activist. I've always been a person very involved in my community and trying to um, fix social injustices and to make this place a better world. Uh, And so being HIV positive is just now one more thing that I can advocate for. And um, so, no, I don't allow really anything to take a back burner. It's it's my life, and I live it to the fullest. I think that's an awesome answer. (laughs) That's great because some people, you know, they give up a lot of what they are dealing with because of the diagnosis. They fall into the deep depression and and things like that. So it's it's great. To me, you sound like you have a great head on your shoulders and you're definitely, you know, doing what you want to do. I think that's what's so inspiring is that you are you and and nothing is going to stop you from being you. Well, you know, like you, you just mentioned, you know, people will slip into this depression. And the best piece of advice that I heard was from, uh, a peer here in St. Louis, and, uh, you know, when a person first finds out they're, they're positive, um, you know, most people's first um, inclination is to, you know, take a leave from work or from school and to kind of lick their wounds, if you will. Um, and I'm not saying that's not needed, but it's very important that people stick to a normal schedule, okay, because that's going to help get their mind off of, uh, of their diagnosis um, and will help with that depression will help them from slipping into the depression. Am I saying it's easy to do? No. Um, but if we can if we can try to get people who are newly diagnosed diagnosed to you know deal with it in this manner, um, in the long run, I think it will have a very beneficial effect. Um, a, a tweet a question to me. Um, tweet your questions at pause. I am. Um, how is your family reaction to it? You know, uh, believe it or not, um, you know, my family uh, wanted me to move home while I first started taking my medications uh, to kind of take care of me and to help me out. And, um, you know, I refused. 
that's this is something that I have to learn to manage. I'm going to have it the remainder of my life, um, unless you know they come out with a, a cure in the next ten years. Um, so for me, it was very important to learn to manage this on my own, um, with obviously the support of my friends, um, and I have had a lot of closeness friends that have come out to support me and help me. So they've been very, very supportive. That's nice. It, because, you know, it, and is, is even, you know, even some of us old veterans, <laughs> veterans, old, that's me, oh, God. Um, veterans, you, know, you call me a veteran and I still am the same age as I am, like, you call me, what, am I considered a veteran? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, n- no. I, I'm just old. That's that's all there is to it. Um, but uh, you know, as strong as sometimes we think we are, you know, there's always that um, that that one time where you just don't want to get out of bed, and you just you you do want to just kind of. And, and I call them, you know, AIDS days. I'm going to call in with AIDS today. I'm just going to stay home. Put the cover over my head but you're absolutely right Aaron we we can't we we can't do that to ourselves right we can't it's easy to it's easy to slip into a a pattern of that yeah, you, you do it one is. day and then you may actually not feel good that day but then the next day well you know maybe I want to go catch a ball game okay well it's easy for me to call in you know and, and we can think of a thousand different scenarios no one thing I did with my friends is um, obviously, I came out to them and, and told them, why did I do this? Because when I first was diagnosed, my viral load was so high um, that I, I was experiencing a lot of fatigue, a lot of uh, uh, GI issues and other other symptoms. And so, you know, I, if I didn't feel like going out, I just didn't feel like going out. That was, you know, I would cut the grass and then I would need to come in and take a three-hour nap. And so being straightforward with, with your friends and family can help them to understand what you're going through. Will they totally understand? No. But, you know, just be honest with people. And um, if if you don't tell them how you're feeling, then they'll never know and you can't blame them for not knowing. No, you can't. Yeah, you're right. Just really quick, I just want to remind people, if you are on hold and you are, because you have a lot of people on hold, but if you want to speak to us on air, you have to press the number one button so I know that you uh, want to come on air and actually you're not just listening. Question from Lauren in the chat room. Have you faced any discrimination in any way since becoming open about your status? Um, you know, I would like to say no. Um, I, I have. There's been one instance with an employer, um, not an employer I was working for, but with a, a, a prospective uh, employer, and uh, when I had submitted my resume, uh, a friend basically just told me, hey, you might want to take that off of your resume because, you know, this is a liability to the company, which I took huge. That offended me on many levels. But then I understood what he was saying. He wasn't trying to be rude. He was just trying to give me the facts. And so this encourages me that these are things we need to change. We need to change people's perspective uh, or perception, rather, of HIV and um, and how it affects um, a worker's ability to work. So uh, other than that, no, I, I have not really experienced any uh, discrimination or other things. Well, there you have God it. help the Thank world if I question. did. So. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like it. Video <laughs> <up>. <laughs> we, That's right. We, you know what? We're not crossing you, Aaron. <laughs> Don't make no, me feel no, like no. Taylor Swift. I'll write a song about you. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I will write a song about you. Would you? Okay. That's oh, funny. I, I like that's songs. Funny. Sing to me, Aaron. Sing to me. Oh, I can't sing it. I can't. Oh. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But okay. <laughs> ah, that's All funny. right. I tried. I tried. I can't help ah. it, but I tried. I do have somebody who's going to um, who wants to come on air, so please help me welcome area code nine zero four. What's your name? And where are you calling from? I see that thing. Hi, could you lower your speakers for a second? Dennis. Oh, hey Dennis. I just want to say, number one, great show. Do you see that people in your chat room? Number two, Aaron. 
I have been following you on YouTube since about day eight. Why did you take all those videos down? Because I thought they gave a good insight into what people deal with. Well, um, first off, thank you for following my videos. I, I haven't taken any videos off. Um, what happened well, was... Well, from your channel then. Yeah, there's so many videos on there that it that it compiles them, and so there okay. should be one category called HIV AIDS. And as I add a new video, I try to add it into that playlist. But yeah, that's, there's just so many videos on there that YouTube kind of compiles them all. Because I was like looking on there today, and I was like, um, well, half of videos are gone, and I found you after day seven, I think it is, when you dropped out. And I thought it was the greatest video in the world. Yeah, the um, well, you know what it feels like. Yeah, it's um the easiest thing to do is if you go into the uh, search quarry of YouTube and just type in my name, Aaron Laxon, it'll kind of pull up all my videos. But um, you know, thank you for your kind words. I it's because of people like you, because of viewers of my videos, and you know, those inspiring words that keeps me doing what I do. Um, you know, I, I just know there's millions of different stories and millions of different um, people out there that are having different effects, whether it's depression, whether it's sickness, whatever. So so thank you for your, uh, your, your kind words. I agree. Thank you so much for calling in, Dennis. I do have a question coming from the chat room here. Um, Michael Lee Howard asks, what about significant others? Are you dating? How is that affected with you being so open? You know, I, I am dating, and I actually made a video <laughs> – Believe it or not, I made a video um, called uh, HIV, Sex, and Dating. Um, you know, I, I my uh, boyfriend is actually uh, negative, and obviously I'm positive. Um, the, he went for an HIV test, and, you know, I thought the day that I got the news that I was positive that I would never have to worry about an HIV test again. Wrong. Mm -hmm. um, right. If you are in a mixed cerno relationship, so a negative positive relationship. You don't. I do not want anybody to have to deal with this. Now, even as normal as my life is, I don't want to, you know, knowingly infect anybody. Um, and so that was a risk that I, that he and I both knew um, walking into it. I t have to tell you, those six minutes waiting for his results to come back, super safe. Um, but it is is something that's always in the back of my mind, in the back of his mind. Um, but there again, you know, you have to look for relationship as the person, not the diagnosis. So, you know, it, to me it, it doesn't matter if a person's positive or negative. That's just one small piece of who they are. Right. That's interesting. Um, question coming from the chat room. Has, are you out at work? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Twitter. Yes, I'm on Twitter. No, no, are you out? No, the question came from Twitter. I'm asking oh. you, are you are you open about your status at work and how has that been perceived? Because a lot of people, you know, kind of get backlash from coming out publicly. Some people get fired over it. You know, there's a lot of things. How is that with your job? Yeah, you know, um, I am. Everybody, it's kind of hard to be on YouTube. Um, and, you know, I've been featured on the news um, quite a bit here in St. Louis. Um for many different things. So uh, people always seem to know me or know of me, and so uh, it, it is what it is. I don't hide it. And, um, in fact, I always try to use everything as, an, as a teaching point or as an educational moment. And uh, so for me, I haven't experienced any bad, um, bad uh, issues, but I also work for a great company who, uh, who pride themselves on diversity and um, on taking care of their employees. So that's awesome. You're lucky. Yes, quite lucky. That's very, very awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, being open about it helps end stigma. So I think that's you know another great thing. Where, you know we've been talking about stigma for a while. Um, okay, so good. I have been trying to chime in now for the last 15 minutes, and I just want everybody to realize that I had hit the mute button. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what? <laughs> and then I, you guys are just talking right over me. And then I just realized just now that I'm on mute. 
Oh, it's a good thing you're pretty. I, I, I know I'm pretty. pretty. I'm a pretty girl, yeah. Mama. I'm a pretty girl. So I, I, I was just going to remind our listeners that we are at ten minutes to ten. Um, we are talking with Aaron Laxton and um, talking about his um, uh, my HIV journey and um, and his HIV HIV journey. So Aaron. Um, what 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 do you think you're going to be doing now? I mean, you've done so much over the last six months, and and I can just imagine um, what you what you're going to be able to accomplish in the next six months, and then the year after that, and the year after that. What is it that you really want to do? Oh, the million dollar question. Um, you know what? I I'm just to live each day to its fullest. And I know that's a very uh, cliche answer. Um, when I received my diagnosis, that was what really changed for me. Um, not that I'm living in this fatalistic mindset, but that I really have to value life. Um, you know, the, and I've covered videos on it uh, about the circumstances leading up to my infection. And I was engaged in some very um, self-destructive behavior prior to my diagnosis. Um, whether it was drug use, whether it was um, unsafe sex, whatever. And so since the diagnosis, I've really came back to center, um, living a healthier lifestyle, trying to be a healthier person um, emotionally and physically. Where am I going to be six months from now? Doing the same thing I'm doing now. Um, next June, I'm riding in the eighth life cycle, which is the 11th. Um, from San Francisco to L.A., that's 545 miles, um, and the money goes to the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the LGBT Center, L.A. LGBT Center. And uh, for that, we have set a, I've set a personal goal of raising 20000 and as a team, we're raising roughly $45,000 for that. Um, and then along the way, I'm sure I'll pick up uh, something to advocate for or something to, um, you know, set my efforts towards changing. When I'm not doing this, I, I do a lot of work with foster care um, and uh, advocating and speaking nationally on in regards to foster care um, issues. So nice, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Have um, okay. It looks like here I was just somebody sent me a tweet. I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't a question. So that's what you have now. I'm trying to think of the question that I want to ask you. It totally just slipped out of my friggin' mind, Jeremy. It, see, see, it's AIDS. Blame the AIDS. It's <laughs> God, make me blame AIDS. Oh no, 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 no. I was just looking at your YouTube video, and the one that really touched me was, um, "I never thought it would happen to me, or it, it would never happen to me." Can you kind of explain why you created that kind of video, or you know, with the team? I love how the, the little things pop up and ask the questions and give you stats. It's really creative the way that well, you do it. it. it, it it's quite interesting if you see the videos from day one to now. There's been this evolution of all my videos, and they've changed the format. And, you know, I, I maybe got new software, and I got new camera equipment and new studio equipment. Why I made that one? That was my first video of actually coming out. The two previous videos I had hinted around um, to my diagnosis. And so it really got people talking around St. Louis, you know, is Aaron positive now? Why is he making these videos? And so that marked the first video I officially came out on YouTube and said, hey, you know, I am positive. Um, and that that was that was it. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, another question coming from the chat room. Lauren asks, uh, who, with you being so open about your status, who was the hardest for you to tell? Uh, who was the hardest for me to tell? Well, I, I think undoubtedly the the hardest to tell was my ex, uh, who was away at university. Uh, he was getting ready to graduate, um, and you know we just have this uh, this love for each other. Um, and when I found out, I, I think initially people have they go through this denial, and and so. You know, there was this, this hope that the tests were, were a false positive, and, and 
Um, so I, I would probably have to say that he was the hardest person to tell. But, you know, he was also one of the people that was the most supportive and was very, um, you know, we'll get through this. And it's, 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 you know, he wanted to learn as much as he could. And I was the first person he had ever known who was positive. So that I, I commend him for that because um, that's a huge thing for someone who's never, you know, known someone that's positive uh, and is willing to take that stance. Right, the support system is is really crucial, especially when you're newly diagnosed. So for your friend to be so open and, you know, um, loving with you, I think that that's great. And everybody treats a friend like that. It's got to be positive. Uh, the question that I forgot just came back into my head. Um, is anyone else in your area doing what you're doing, um, openly HIV positive and, and posting videos? Is there, like, people from your area that do that? Or is that kind of why the reason you decided to step up and, and start doing yeah, my do, HIV journey? To my knowledge, no. Um, no one's doing it. Um, and, you know, even throughout the United States, um, if you type in, like, HIV into YouTube, um, you know, there's a few, uh, Justin, uh, Daniel, um, uh, Maria, who you had on your show, I think, last yeah, week yeah. or two weeks ago. Uh, so there's, it's a very close-knit group of people who've chosen just, you know, hey, this is my diagnosis and I'm going to do something with it. And so I would like to think that we're kind of a, a, a close-knit group. Um, but in the St. Louis area, no. Um, you know, we do have to remember that it is the Bible Belt and uh, a fairly conservative area, even though we do have a large um, LGBT community. Um, so, but no, I, I'm the only one that I know of. Well, that's good. You know, there's a voice, and, and people need that voice, especially in your area if, you know. It, are the infection rates high in your area? Are you aware of, like, the infection rates like that? Or? Yeah, we're we're at 1.5% above the national average, and we're number one in syphilis infections in the United States. So we... So there's a we, need. Uh, def- yeah, we definitely have an issue, um, and so there's a lot of federal funding coming down for, for that, um, you know, for testing and, and knowing status. So, yeah, it, there's definitely a need. Yeah, with the the statistics that we know, you know, one in five people who are infected don't know that they are um, in the United States. So that's roughly 20% of the population, 20, 21% of the population. So, you know, wow. everyone needs to get out there and, uh, and and get tested, know their status. And also because many times you can be infected and not have symptoms. Uh, and so in the meantime, your, your immune system is being ate up. Um, so knowing your status is key. Yeah. Very key. Aaron, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this hour. It's truly inspiring to watch your videos, and I recommend everybody go to YouTube and go to, um, what is it, Laxton A? It is. Or you can just type in my name into Search Quarry, and I, more times than not, I'm the number one person pops up just because I've got so many videos. So There you go. And if you are on Facebook or Twitter, you can go to the Pause Am page, and there's links to you there everywhere. We pimped you out. (laughs) Uh, hey, I appreciate you guys for having me on and everything that you're doing. Well, thanks uh, thank so much so for much. coming in. So, Thank you, Aaron. Have All a right, great night. You. you too. And remember, folks, you can find Aaron on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. His uh, handle on Twitter is Aaron Laxton. should be easy to remember. What a great show. It was a great show. What a great, fabulous show. So listen, um, yeah. Coming up the rest of this month, uh, I believe you're on standby for Jack. <laughs> for oh, like okay. Two weeks. Um, uh, next week, yeah, you know, he, well, you know, he said that he may have some issues with coming on, so we're going to have you on standby, and, you know, we'll be back right. here every Sunday like we always are. Uh, next Sounds week good. we have an HIV-positive relationship guru, Greg Halpin, will be on sharing his story and talking about the wonderful work that he does. And also... Um, on the 27th, we will be talking about coming out HIV positive, why people go public about their status, and then also Jeff Berry from HIV, um, no, Jeff Berry from Positively, Positively Aware Magazine is on to talk about a day with HIV in America and the photos that he chose for this year's magazine article. Woo! Woo! We got it. So All for right. more information on the fabulous Jeremy Dunn, you can go to Positively Speaking. That's Positively Speaking with a Z, dot com, and subscribe to his blog and all that good stuff, and more information on myself and the radio show and upcoming guests at pauseim.com. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Jeremy, it was another great show. It was a great show. See? See, when it's you and me, they're always great shows. That's right, girl. You tell them. <laughs>
Woo. All right, have a great night, everyone. All right, you too. Take care. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS I'm greater than. This is Senior Chaos, and this was my deciding moment. Tell us yours at greaterthan.org. Thank you for tuning in, and you can find more information about the Paz I Am radio show and our hosts at www.pazim.com. Thank you, and have a great night.